This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is episode 256. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. Up on episode 256, we finished the first of two box sets, The American Horror Project. Myself and my good buddy Derek have been looking through these movies and we have officially reached the halfway mark with the final movie in box set number one, The Witch Who Came From The Sea. That review will be coming up after the first break. Before we get to that, let's catch up. A brand new week of horror podcasting coming your way. And it all starts right here on Monday. On Tuesday, tomorrow, you're going to get a little something special, a little bonus episode coming your way, ladies and gents. It's our 300th bonus episode, so it's something a little bit quirky, something a little bit special. So... Get yourself ready for that. On Thursday, we are doing Movie Club listener reviews of Dr. Black, Mr. Hyde, the third movie in our Black Exploitation series. One more movie still to come, and that'll be dropping next month. So, yeah, we'll find out what you guys made of that very bizarre, very quirky, very strange little movie. Yeah, your reviews on Thursday. And then on Sunday, 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 we turn our attention to that slasher classic series. Oh, where are we going next? Well, it's Bad Dreams. That's the next movie for you folks out there from 1988, I want to say. That's what it says in the box set, so I'm assuming that's what it is. Over on the Teapots Collective, for you this week, you are getting Where to Begin with Jallo. That episode will be out for tomorrow. At the weekend, you'll be getting the next instalment of Opera Omnia as we look at the Duke of Burgundy and our continued look of the movies of Peter Strickland in Season 2. You will also be getting a little bit of doing the nasty dropping on the 30th. That's the following week, just over a week from where we are just now. And then into early December, we'll be tying up a lot of things. Where it began with Jalo, we'll be finishing off Season 1. We'll be obviously releasing another... Opera Omnia will be releasing another Doing the Nasty. We'll also be bringing back Mr. Watson, who will be coming on to talk about Rebecca uh, and the continuation of sorts to the ever-grown catalogue of Ben Wheatley movies. So you have all that to look forward to. Plenty of content coming your way. The podcast under the stairs has got you. We've got your back, buddy. Don't worry about it. Right, let's get into this. We're going to take a short break just now. You're going to hear promos for shows that I love. You are going to hear the trailer for The Witch Who Came From The Sea. This is disc number three, the last movie in box set number one of our two box set series of The American Horror Project by Arrow Video. We'll be coming right back to discuss this bizarre little movie right after this. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try? They must be destroyed on sight! 
the new podcast cure all sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living we have exploitation we have italian horror we have zombies we have slashers we have crime films we have spaghetti westerns we even have sci-fi and sex comedies so take a dose of they must be destroyed on sight as needed and let the hosts lee russell daniel harper Paul Romali and the odd guest host Cure What Ails Ya. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Turn on your television set. Find out what's happening in the real world. See it in black and white. God made all of us perfect. Truly, he did. How close do you want to be to the woman in your life? Well, you don't know if it's true or not unless it's on television. Why was Grandpa lost at sea? I don't know. Because he was perfect. Too good to live on land. Who is she? She's a witch, come out of the sea. She's not a witch. She's beautiful. Every time you turn around, you see him. Ladies and gents, so here we are, end of box set number one of the American Horror Project. We will be looking at this, well, on this episode, at the movie The Witch Who Came From The Sea, and joining me, of course, all the way through this entire series for both box sets is my good buddy Derek. How you doing? Pretty good, man. I can't wait to talk about this movie. It was uh, actually sort of a first time watch this one for me, and uh-huh. you know, I was like, I, I like, I put this one on before lazily and I was like you know like skimming through it like okay but then I didn't actually because it was like I had to go to work that time when I was start to put it on the first time and I was very excited to check it out this time because I actually just watched it on my new TV my brand new TV mm-hmm. for the first one of the first movies I popped in on there I'm like whoa you know we'll talk about the cinematography and stuff later about this movie but yeah, yeah got a lot to say yeah this one's like to be to be honest, like I think in terms of content, this one's the most shocking one out of the three, um, and I, I'm really looking forward to this. Not only because of you know the, the specific content itself, but this one was a video nasty. This one was on the the tier two list, um, which meant that you did you weren't prosecuted 
but but you could be arrested for this. So you'd be arrested, but you were never prosecuted for distributing this movie. But if the police found you had it in your possession as a video store clerk or whatever, you 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 know it would be confiscated and you would you would be arrested at that point. So it is you know it's one of the dangerous seventy two. Um, so yeah, I mean, we are going to get to that. So let's let's catch the deets on the Arrow Films website. Um, it says. Molly really knows how to cut men down to size. Boy, does she ever. Um, representing something of an anomaly in the career of Matt Simber, I think is how you pronounce that, who, um, whose other credits include such black exploitation fairs as The Candy Tangerine Man, The Witch Who Came From The Seas, an unnerving journey into the madness and murder starring Millie Perkins, who was in The Diary of Anne Frank. Molly played by Perkins, experiences violent fantasies in which she ties muscular men up before bloodily dispatching them with a razor. But when a news report announces the shocking double murder of two football players, which strongly echoes one of Molly's most recent depraved flights of fancy, the fantasy starts to bleed into reality. Literally. Written by Perkins' late husband, Robert Thumb of Death Ray 2000 fame, The Witch Who Came From The Sea focuses early, sorry, features early cinematographer DOP Dean Cundy, who would go on to expand his credentials in the genre, working on Escape From New York and The Thing. Details here, production year 1976, um, runtime is under an hour and a half, about an hour and 23 hour and 24 minutes. A cast and crew, notable here. Like we said, uh, Millie Perkins, Lonnie Chapman and Vanessa Brown in the cast and Matt uh, Timbers, what how I'm going to pronounce that, as the director. So yeah, I'd seen this one for doing the nasty back in the day. So the circa 2015, maybe, was the, the only other time I'd seen this movie. And I haven't gone back to listen to my review of it, but I have a sneaky suspicion that I was quite high on this movie because... Is one of the reasons I bought the box set out with the fact that Arrow had released it, but the, the idea of owning a video nasty and nice fancy shiny 2K restoration um, filled me with glee. Plus it was the only one from the box set that I actually had heard of before. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember being relatively kind of like, you know, this is a, a kind of, almost a kind of art house examination of, of kind of psychosexual depression and madness. And that's just stuck in the back of my head and it's always been there. So sitting back down to watch it tonight, before recording, um, what kind of struck out to me is, at times, how fucking dark this movie is. Like, really, genuinely disturbing. Like, there's, there's a couple of one-shots here. If you, Even if you pull back from the implied act of what she's doing to men, right? Which is mm-hmm. very, I spit in your grave. Um... But like just taking longer because she's using a, a really small razor blade, which yeah. is just, you know, that's just going to take a long time. Um, but if you if you pull back from that, just in general, there is a specific point in this movie where it takes a turn, and there is a reveal as to what the motivations of the character are, and it is fucking horrific, like absolutely horrific. It, you're just like shocked and scared, and you know you're just like feel bad after the events of like wow that happened yeah because all the way through the movie you are perceiving right so the setup here is like they say and um, we have millie as a character she is 
she's a bit she's not stable let's put it that way she does have violent fantasies um that appear to invade her brain and she's obsessed with her dad who got lost at sea and this is what she keeps going back to him you know my dad got lost at sea do you know sailed out never came back he was a sea captain all the rest um and you think that the fact that her dad never came back and was never found is this thing that's created a disconnect in her brain for the majority of the movie but through flashbacks we see how the dad interacted with her and at first these come across as quite tender and then they start to come across as relatively abusive um, virgin on the violent and then the reveal towards the end is essentially that he was molesting her and raping her um, and you go through those those things alongside the acts that she's committing which is at first these, these fantasies and one of my favourite like just all round general kind of like scenes of death and mayhem on a muscle beach of all places. Yeah, that, I like the first time I seen that. I'm like, whoa, because it's like shockingly long extended shots. So just dudes bulges and muscle <laughs> fucking some flexing. I'm like, is it one of these dudes Arnold Schwarzenegger? Like, what the hell's going on? Yeah, like you know, it's like an. She's obsessing on the, the cock area as well, which, like, obviously, as the movie later moves on, we start to realise that's her favourite place to attack. Um, like, she got right for there. And once again, it plays out and makes sense at the end. Um, but we see a shot of there's a guy doing the, the kind of the rings, the parallel rings that you do in, um, in gymnastics. Mm-hmm. And there's a shot of him basically somehow managed to get his head and his arms stuck through one of the rings and has strangled himself to death. And it is this horrific... The camera just lingers on it. And the effect is fucking brilliant. Yeah, like, and it works good with the music score too in those scenes. Like, oh, the music score is so like creepy and tense throughout yeah. it. It's insane. Oh, it's, it's just a, like a shot of... We're going to get to the cinematography, which is like... You can see how Cundy would eventually go off and do Jurassic Park. That's all I'm saying. Um, like, because the cinematography is so assured here. But it's just this great fucking shot. And what I love about the movie is it really does... And this is not one of these movies that that plays things... I mean, this is, for all intents and purposes, not, not necessarily a rape revenge. It's kind of like a rape trauma revenge later on in All Men. Um, as opposed to the man that actually inflicted... Because she never got closure there as we'll get into. Um, but it's this, you know, the disconnect of what are fantasies of of violence on men and the way she sets things up. And what's really interesting about her is she can be quite a charming character. So there is this yeah. kind of Venus flytrap thing about her. She can be a really charming, disarming character to men. And then when she gets them vulnerable in the place that she wants... You know, that's when things get vicious and the first the first proper kill is a great example of that where she basically ties two men to a bed and you know and, and, and they, they completely they think they're they're gonna do some wild sex act and then she disappears and comes up with this like what I would describe as a thin razor blade. Um and we don't get to see it overtly, but she castrates a guy, <laughs> like um and it's it's a, a viciously prolonged scene for a scene that doesn't show you anything like, yeah her, like, it just keeps going and this guy's wailing and like like moaning and crying and we just keep going and the camera mm. just keeps and it is 
Yeah, the only thing we really see is like some blood squirts that squirt on her pants yeah. and shit like that. that you know, it's that's really... all you need. That's all you need. Yeah. <laughs> that's literally all you need. And it's I. The thing is, I remember, like, I remember arguing the case that I couldn't quite understand why the witch who came from the sea would be a video nasty at all. And to be honest, when I got to the end of it, I was still of that opinion. I think there's plenty of movies from this era that do way worse than this movie. It's totally going to be the box art cover, which I'm actually staring at right now. Must be. Must. There's absolutely no way it's not. And I imagine as well the, the description, the tagline is, you know, she cuts men down to size. I think there was a, like, the the censors over here had a complete hard-on, and you'll have to excuse the the, the kind of the, the weird oxymoronic setup here for this, for anything that involves sexual violence. So violence is fine. Like, violence, yeah. is, like violence all day, we're fine with that. But if there's any sexual envi- violence, any violence at all, which is, you know, created alongside acts of sex, and the censors clamped down like motherfuckers on it like it was just like absolute 100% no go so the the idea of her you know like you know luring men and uh, you know killing them off from a from a sexual point of view it, you know is enough just in general for the censors to raise a you know an eyebrow and ask for stuff to be cut out but in the case of this movie you know just landed at the wrong time for the censors and, and they pull it and you're right the box art has her as like a, a kind of a sea demoness with a severed head. <laughs> Which, ironically enough, looks like, spoiler her father's head. It's totally her dad's head. It's totally her fucking dad's head. Um, and I think, I think in part, there's a lot of that. Plus, I mean, it, it looks like her tits out. Um, and it's a bit, the thing is, it's a beautifully painted, you know, cover. It's a beautifully I, painted I, cover. I love it. It's one of my favourite cover arts, of, you know, ever mm. You know, when I po- I was actually shocked that I was allowed to post it on Facebook because you never know, like tits, you know. Yeah, they, it's usually the first thing Zuckerberg tries to remove. Um, but you know, it's um, and the thing about it is the the poster art bears little to no resemblance to anything in this fucking movie. Like in yeah. the poster art here, she's on a she's like a like a demoness on you know on a rock with the sea behind her. Scythe, which is not scythe. in the movie, a snake yeah. wrapped around her arm, which doesn't exist in the movie. Uh, you know, like it's 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 just it's, but I, I love it. It's so weird and it's so there's like so, there's something very Italian horror about this. You know, I could imagine this cover art adorning like a like a sixties, an early sixties Bava, yeah, gothic yeah. horror movie for sure. It just has that it has that vibe. And the movie doesn't reflect that, but there are small details here which I absolutely fucking adore, out with the murder of which there's plenty. The one, this idea that she has, like, ungodly strength, which is not necessarily explained. I mean, she, at one point in this movie, she grabs a guy's hand and essentially crushes the bones in this guy's hand. Yeah, um, Brutal. She can take she can take abuse and punishment because he basically punches her in the face and she gets up from it. Uh, but when she's during these scenes of lucidity to an extent, where you know she believes she's having this kind of fantasy, you know, element in her brain, she's dreaming it. Her voice changes, so basically all they're doing is they're slowing down the audio a little bit, um, uh-huh. so it makes her sound more demonic. I love that as a feature. I also love the fact that she is a complete disconnect that she just thinks 
that these, like when they're reporting on things, these are just coincidences to her dreams. She is not aware that she is the cause of all this until much later on in the movie. Yeah. Which I think works fucking brilliant as well. I think, like, details like that. And she, like, talk about powerhouse performances here. Perkins is fucking brilliant in this movie. Like, you know, when I first seen, like, looking at her, I'm like, because I actually didn't read the back cover of this at first. I'm like, mm. why does she look so familiar? Because I used to watch the Diary Anne Frank in, like, high school and shit, of course. Yep. Uh, and I'm like, holy shit, it's Anne Frank. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I-, I was mind blown and she's playing the psychopath. And stuff, and I love all the side characters in this movie, like the Lon John character. Who yeah, actually, is a very interesting like chemistry with the, you know, because she's he's actually like one of the only males that she actually like sleeps with in the movie. Yeah, without killing them and stuff. So they have like this weird relationship, and I like that aspect of the movie because she's because I think it's like since her dad was he's kind of like a father figure for her, her in that sense where her so that's probably why they had that sexual relationship mm-hmm. you know you know and, and i like their dynamic and i like the, the back and forth between all the characters that are involved in like the finale and uh her two nephews future serial killers <laughs> <laughs> yeah they are just a, they are just a little bit desensitized to life like in general <laughs> Nothing's quite, nothing quite settles there. I love. There's a bit where, like, they actually to their, like, to their mum. They're like, uh, you know, a grandfather didn't, you know, didn't end up buried in the dirt. He got lost at sea, and she, she slaps the shit out of this little kid, and he Terminator turns around and looks at her. It's like, dun 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 dun, like just fucking, like stares her right in the face. I was like, what the fuck? Because it's a proper like mum slap. You know, one of those ones that will sting for about a, a fortnight. Um, you know, and there's like, that whole like thing in the back of my head. Wait, how? Why do they leave their house? And what do they do to their mother after that scene? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a, a, a thing as well, like. Like, none of the males in this movie are nice characters. Yeah. And I don't know if that is just a time, you know, a, a show of the time. This is just how the, these characters are written. Or if we're seeing this from Millie's perspective, which, I, I mean, both work fine for me, but, like, none of them, they're all sleazy, reprehensible characters that look like they're on the cusp of rape. You know what I mean? They're like they're 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 one small interaction or body movement away from from causing her some sort of sexual molestation, um, and I think that you know I don't I I want to think that's a deliberate choice, but I get the feeling it probably isn't. I get the feel the thing is like as as much as I do enjoy a lot of this, there are certain elements that feel like some of the dialogue kind of poorly written. It's not it's not yeah. like it doesn't match up with the like Perkins is acting her tits off here. Pulling a powerhouse performance, but some of the lines she says are just a bit. It's interesting you mentioned before we started recording about uh, kind of sitcom. You said yeah. like sitcommy. There is a couple of sitcommy lines in here. Like it kind of feels like like when the police, especially when the police get involved and they show up at the the actor's house and he's in his jacuzzi drinking his whiskey, um, apparently naked with a, a naked woman sitting beside him and he's just drinking whiskey and the police have not asked him to cover himself up or anything and, you know, like he's just... And there is a bit of the Columbo about it, if you know what I mean. It just yeah. feels like a, a kind of Columbo-esque sort of scene and it's it doesn't 
necessarily fit the overall vibe and tone of the movie and it's, it's weird because it's, it's glaringly not as good as other scenes um, and you get the feeling that it's maybe the script was just not as mature as the content of the movie yeah you know and the, the film actually kind of acts as like an unreliable narrator to yep. itself in some yep. scenes because you know like there's this whole scene where Millie gets a tattoo and you know it's kind of symbolic because pretty much it's the same tattoo that her dad had but yeah when we see that at the end it's totally like <laughs> yeah you know it's like that scene in like uh the it kind of reminded me of that fucking scene in uh the fucking uh, the gift of you know that fucking you know look at the blue diamond <laughs> you know <laughs> same kind of thing right totally is it totally is because like the we were left with the impression well because she doesn't the thing is she doesn't act I mean she doesn't actually get a tattoo does she no yeah no. It's, like an unreal, it's like a scene that didn't actually happen and you're like thinking about it because you know she's talking to like this tattoo guy and it's not really a real conversation it's weird yeah and but but she saw him earlier on in the movie so she's just yeah. imagined this and then like you see the reveal at the very end um, or damn near the very end when her father is thrusting upon her when she's a young girl and dies of a heart attack uh, on top of her which is just uh, um, yeah. and he, his body kind of rolls over and then we see that the tattoo is on his stomach so it's never been on her stomach. So essentially, the fractured part of her psyche that is the killer is that was created at the point where her dad died. Um, uh-huh. And I, I, once again, lofty kind of ideas and themes carrying on in a movie from '76. Yeah, and I mean, like '76 is like '70s are just weird in general because we get a lot of the rape revenge stuff. A lot of the kind of the female murdering men for for all the horrible things men have done, and trust me, there's a litany of them in 70s cinema. Um, and I mean, this one is is you know is doing it in like it's weird because killers. If this was a male character, right? This would have been, you know, he walked in and his mum and dad having sex, or you know, his his mum did. It's like pieces. I mean, his mum caught him doing a, a scuddy puzzle, um, and uh, you know, it's, it's that's the way that trauma's set up. But for women, it's you know, she's raped by her dad, and that's what causes yeah. the trauma. And it, I just, it's such a a weird, volatile fucking decade for horror. This is like a better version of the movie Demented from yes. the late, early 80s, which, you know, had kind of the same thing where you get to see, like, the character break down after the event happened, but yeah. this one's done way better. Yeah, I, I, lo- I loved it. Like, I loved the end of this movie. And a lot of the reason I loved it, this movie, and we're, we're going to, I think we have to touch on it, Cundy's, like, this, I think this is Cundy's first movie. I want to say that I'm, I'm sure I read that somewhere that this was basically his first proper gig as a cinematographer and that kind of blows my mind because he's already at this point got su- such an assured style of cinematography if you know what I mean it's like very very confident and it knows what it's doing and it adds so much to this movie like so much to this movie like you usually find that, well, well, think about this way: the two movies we've already watched in this box set, right? 
One of them felt like guerrilla style filmmaking, right? It's basically walking around, almost felt handheld cameras walking around a you know condemned fairground. Um, and then the second one, it kind of felt like too polished. You know what I mean? It felt almost kind of like this is like a proper 70s movie. This is a proper, this could have been shown in the cinema and all the rest. And this one, there's a, there is a grittiness in here for sure, but it's, it's those wide angle, just those wide shots that Cundy gets and his choice and position of cameras in certain scenes. Specifically, the tattoo scene's a great one of that because the camera like shoots that entire scene from about four or five different positions and all of them feel totally unique and they totally accentuate what she's doing as a character, what she's talking about, what we're trying to get across, the way cat you know, the, the weird tattoo artist is reacting to her, uh, what she's getting done. And I it just felt as a really vibrant, kind of buoyant excuse the pun, um sort of cinematography. It just felt really alive and I love that because a lot of movies from this era in particular, the cinematography can be a bit static. Yeah. And, you know, he's making this, what, two years before... Well, not even two... Yeah, two years before Halloween. Yeah, I, I think he did a... I'm trying to think, because I know he worked with a, the guy who did Without Warning during this time period, too. He did a few, like, black exploitation films, like Black Shampoo... Ah, right, right. So this might have been his first horror movie. Maybe that's when I'm getting. Yeah, and he did like Satan's Cheerleaders. I think that was like the same year as Halloween. His, his filmography is weird when you look at uh, Cundy's uh, filmography, like in the, especially the early '70s stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He's a, a guy who like almost kind of is is weird. He's kind of almost fearless, <laughs> like to an extent. And I, I kind of love that about him. He's you know he just he does what he needs to do. Uh, yeah, so it looks like this. Yeah, uh, oh, that might be a horror movie, actually. Is it? Yeah. So he had done. Sorry, I am way off here. So he had done a horror movie before called So Evil My Sister, which I'd never heard of before. Neither, actually, I was. And the the cover looks weird. Um, and then yeah, so he does. Uh, he's uncredited on the Witch Who Came from the Sea, um, but he did it. And Black Shampoo was sh- shot the same year. So basically, busy year. He shoots six movies in '76. <laughs> Fuck off. Um, that's just insane. Uh, and yeah, you're right. Satan's cheerleaders, bare knuckles, um, all in around the same time as Halloween. So yeah, yeah like super, super interesting. But I, I love the style that it brings to it. Like I say, I think it adds um, a bit of you know a bit of panache to it. it weirdly makes it feel a bit more credible and a bit more arty than it actually is yeah. um, and I kind of I kind of like the juxtaposition and the other thing that we probably should mention as well is the the casting of this movie done by uh, George Buckflower oh yeah yeah she's fucking great <laughs> who appears as a cop in this movie <laughs> so. it's like the weirdest role ever like I'm like look at it I'm like wait it's the Almost do from Back to the Future. Yeah, it's, it's like uh, not only will I uh, not only will I be in charge of casting for this movie, but I will cast myself as an inconspicuous police officer. Uh, yeah, it's like, it's like it's like I'll write the screenplay for Driving Massacre. Just cast me as that guy that tries to hold up the factory. <laughs> oh, 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 that movie! Oh, why did you bring it back? Oh, the pain! Uh, the pain! That, uh, that's a collection that hates me so much. 
It really, really, really does. Although, I don't know. I've not been all horrendous. I did get to do Alice Sweet Alice recently. And that that's a joy going back to that movie. Because that movie is a big old jallo. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's a, a, a big slab of jallo. And it, just, it, can't admit, it can't admit to itself that it's a jallo. Um, and I, I kind of love the fact that it is. It's just a weird line in general, that slasher line. Because half the movies aren't even slashers. Like oh Scarecrow. Yeah, like Children of the Corn. Like the, f- yeah. the f- first three Children of the Corn movies in the slasher collection. And that was a bit like, I remember when I first started buying them. And um, like I, I got the first lot as and when they were coming out, and I got the the collection of Children of the Corn three box set, which came out there. And I remember like I just assumed because eighty eight films had different collections, I just assumed it was part of their general line. And then it arrived, and I'm like that. These are the red. Ca- no, no, it's not. And I was like, this is the fucking slasher, slasher classic, slasher yeah. classic. Don't get me wrong, I love Scarecrows, but I'll admit it's not even a slasher. But they're releasing, <laughs> they're releasing um, before the end of the year, they're releasing the um, Urban Legend trilogy, right? Not yeah. as not in the slasher classic line. Or, or like, I know what you did last summer, that's weird. Yeah, that's not in the slasher line. I know it's, it's slasher classics, so they have to be older movies, but they've got some movies that are in like 92, 93. In the line, so I mean, what well, we're, we're we're spitting distance to Urban Legend. I just I don't get it. It's a it's a weird fucking thing. And I sat down and watched. Um, I, we're off on a tangent here, um, and people have already heard the review of this uh, by this point. But I watched that uh, the, uh, offerings. Oh, that's a guilty pleasure. It's bad, but I love it. It's a, it is a grubby fucking movie. Like he grub. <laughs> I felt uncomfortable watching that movie. Um, and like it's from like eighty seven or something. And I'm looking at I, going. No, this isn't like a. I, I love I, I love chubby police cop <laughs> Loomis in that movie. <laughs> it's a total Halloween. There's a scene towards the end where he's walking across the the grass holding a head, right? And he's clear he's clearly wearing a bit of prosthetics on his face anyway, which makes yeah. him look like he he's wearing the Michael Myers mask. <laughs> it's like oh, oh it's fuck so, off. so fucking I love even though the score is like this not even hiding. Do 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 I love it. It's a guilty pleasure. I know it's bad and terrible, but you know, I just watch that all the time. But it goes it shows me it shows me how much how many movies are out there that I just I don't know fucking anything about. Never heard of them and whatnot, which is is the it's the thing that kinda of threw me about linking it back to the witch who came from the sea because I imagine from the collection being released the arrow released in the UK for the American horror project, that the witch who came from the sea is probably the more known title out of the three. Specifically because it was on the nasties list. You've inbuilt a, a generation of people who would, you know, buy bootleg copies of movies. Um, from flea markets and whatnot to, to, to get a copy of it. So there is a generation of people that have seen The Witch Who Came From The Sea by nature of its its existence on the nasties list. Where the other two movies, I don't know if that's to say, I don't know if Premonition or Malatesta's Carnival of Blood are in a similar conversation. They're out with the fact that Stephen Thrower knows everything. Uh, so like, yeah, the, thing is, the thing is with the Witch Who Came From The Sea for Roby Here in America had mm. never had a great release. Yeah, it had yeah. like, like grey market releases you know 
like you know one like cinema epoch and you know they tried to do the cover for this but then they cut the like half the cover off of it Oh, I hit my mic, of course, with my... Uh, <laughs> the rage about his bad release, Derek punches yeah, his know, mic. <laughs> you know, so people probably never seen it in, like, yeah. great natural release, and, you know, I'm glad that they put it out on Blu-ray, and it does deserve that kind of recognition. Oh, for sure. I mean, it looked... And I, I, I mean, what a movie you shove on for your first one of your first experiences on your new fancy 4K TV, because, it, I mean, it, it's a movie, I, I think... It, Weirdly, the bigger the screen is, I think the better it plays. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, you really can take in a lot of what Cundy's doing uh, with the cinematography. But yeah, just across the board, I... It was an interesting one because it's darker than I remember. And I'm just going to say, I'm putting it down to the fact that I watched The Witch Who Came From The Sea in amongst the 71 other movies that were on that list. Some of them were absolutely shit and tame. But other movies on that list are amongst the most horrific bits of cinema to ever come out of the decade that's known as the 70s. So I get the feeling that maybe I underplayed it because I'm like, well, it's not I Spit in Your Grave, it's not Last House on the Left, it's not Cannibal Holocaust. You know, like, it's, it's not it's not Snuff, it's not those movies. Oh, so, thank God it's not Snuff. Yeah, so I'm like, I'm, it's not those movies, so it's not as violent, and why is it on this list? And I almost feel like I'm diminishing it, but coming back to watch it, dark subject matter, really dark subject matter, and just really fucking well done. The dialogue's a bit pish in places, I'll be honest, but I love um, you know Perkins' portrayal here of Millie as a character. Um, I love the violence that's wrought out, and yeah, when this movie needs to weirdly make you feel sorry for this character it, it, it lands right at the end in a way which kind of makes you just go fuck this is why and no wonder she's no wonder she is a destroyed character uh, to, to lead her to the, the, the extent and all the all the violence she's wrought on men uh, you know it comes from a, a really dark place that's you know she's never been able like no one helped her and she's compartmentalised it into a fantasy that her dad was lost at sea um, you know, like that she can't, she can't bring herself to accept that fact that mm-hmm. her, her dad molested her, and I think it's, 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 it's really, really well handled in this movie, really well handled, um, and it, it just kind of floored me so much so that when it finished, and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put this out here. I think this is the best movie in box set one. I, I genuinely do. I was, I was surprised at how much because I, I, I kind of felt that I was going to be in a position here because both Premonition and Malatesta have scored high with me that I genuinely thought, you know, the one that I was expecting, because I said to you at the start, which we came from see I'd seen before and I liked it, I thought this is the one that's going to rank a bit lower and the oddities, the really weird ones are going to be better. And then I watched it and I come out and go, no, this is this is the best one from the box set. Well, what's your kind of thoughts on that? I, I could agree because, you know, it's, I like these super psychological mm. character studies and this one's definitely that and I like kind of like the unreliable narrator nature of this movie it actually adds a different layer to the whole it kind of has like that it's kind of like an early nightmare logic film where yes. everything real is it real or not and I like that aspect because I love a lot of Fulci or like Phantasms one of my favorites mm-hmm. and you know it's like it's kind of like early that and I, this movie's ahead of its time 
Yeah, I, to I totally agree. It's depiction specifically of a fractured personality had been done before. There's plenty of other movies which deal with kind of psycho killers with trauma, but the it's, you, you're right, it's a very Italian kind of 70s trope to make the, I think of something like uh, um, Lizard on a Woman's Skin as uh -huh. a, great, a great example of the you know the story that you're being fed here is not the story that happened in the movie and you won't find out what that is until the end and then you realise that your your narrator throughout the entire movie has been lying to you um, and I, I, I kind of love that and it does it feels very weirdly un-American to bring it in at this point and it does feel ahead of its time but it works so fucking well works really 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 well in this one um, yeah I, I mean I I, I was I, I'm over the moon that. I've watched that again. I'm over the moon now on it. This is one I will definitely 100% go back to. Like, 100% go back to. Um, because I, I find it such an interesting fucking movie. It's really, really interesting. Even some of the the choices here, like I say in the dialogue, which doesn't quite work at all, it weirdly adds a, a degree of charm. I'm like, ah, that's a pretty cringy line. But at the same time... Like you know, with everything else, it's, it, it makes it stand out with everything else that's happening in the movie. Uh, yeah, I was. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm. I am like I cannot wait to get into box set two because I've never seen any of the box <laughs> any of the movies in box set two. But what movie to close out box set one on? Um, let's let's. Is there anything else you want to say about this one, or shall we? Or shall we bring in our scoring for it? Let, let's go on the scoring. Let's right. do it. So it's been relatively like good for the other ones I think both other movies have received four from, fours from us um, which you came from the sea gets a 4.5 from me uh, I, I like it is I am I am close to you know declaring my love for this movie because like I say I just think it is if I could turn back time right now and do the 70s series again I would campaign for this movie to be in the 10 for discussion well, you never know. Summer series Redux. Where you just <laughs> just choose different movies. Yeah, when we get to the end, we pick all the ones we missed out. Uh, yeah. Like the best of the rest. I love that idea. Uh, but yeah, I, I genuinely would. I think it's a. I think it's a sad omission that we did um, seventy six, which I know had some really good movies, but it wasn't that strong a year that this movie couldn't have been in the discussion. I think for all the reasons you said about it being weirdly ahead of its time, it merits that discussion so yeah 4.5 from this guy where are you landing in well since I gave premonition a 4.5 I want to induct this as my first 5 out of 5 Woo! love it love it yes Derek yes fucking love it I love it great movie yeah Fantastic. so fucking good man so so good and it just it makes it makes me really happy because like I say I, the the danger is that you spend money on these box sets, right? And then yeah. the box sets arrive, and then you get bloody New Year. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, then you have to you have to wade through them. But um, yeah, I think I th box set one didn't have a fucking bad movie in it, like at all, like even a little bit, which makes me really pensive about box set two because they took a long time to release this one. Uh, there's almost almost three years between the releases, and um, let's let's give a bit of a teaser as to where we are going 
um, in the next three episodes. So we have finished box set one, we've got box set two to do. There are th- another three movies in the American Horror Project. We will be covering in that series uh, Dark August, Dream and Evil, um, and The Child. And I know nothing. It's Dream No Evil, sorry. Um, I know nothing about any of them. Have you seen any of them? I've only seen Dark August, which, uh, or Harvest. Is it Dark August? It's Dark Dark. August. Which, actually, you might actually actually find very interesting because you actually did a few episodes on a certain subject matter on Chronicle recently. So, So that's all I'll give away on that one. For now, and the child is fucking wild. Yeah, I'm, 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 reading, I'm reading here. Uh, the the blurb on the Arrow site says, continuing its mission to unearth, unearth the very best and weird and wonderful horror obscura from the golden age of US independent genre movie making, Arrow Video is proud to pre- present its long-awaited second volume in the American Horror Project series, co-curated by author Stephen Thrower of Nightmare USA, the untold story of exploitation independence. Starting off with the little scene 1970 offering from the underrated cult auteur John Hayes, who did Grave of the Vampire and Garden of the Dead, Dream No Evil is a haunting movie, uh, sorry, is a haunting moving tale of a young woman's desperate quest to be reunited with her long lost father, only to find herself drawn into a fantasy land of homicidal madness. Meanwhile, in 1976, Dark August, it stars Academy Award winner Kim Hunter uh, from A Streetcar Named Desire in a story of a man pursued by a terrifying and deadly curse in the wake of a hit-and-run accident. And lastly, in 1977, uh, Harry Novak's produced The Child is a gloriously delirious slice of horror mayhem in which a young girl rises an army of the dead against people she holds responsible for her mother's death. That sounds bitching. Um, yeah, I'm I'm all in with this one. I can think of no one I would rather do the series with than you, Derek. Um, and it's going to be fun to see where the chips land. Um, as always, you do some weird and wonderful things out there that people should be checking out. Plug your wares, sir. Sure. Uh, you know, of course, Cinema Attack, we are actually going to be recording in a few weeks our next list show where we're going to be doing our top 90s action films oh nice yeah it's a tough list to come up with because you know you put that span of the 90s in there and you're like you know what should i put in here and what should i leave out that kind of deal Mm -hmm. uh, you know then you know no more room in hell we're actually playing our next episode now where it's mike merriman's picks and uh yeah it should be out by uh the next time we record i think we actually just you know, nail down. We're trying to nail down a record date for that show. Nice. And uh, they're here. Uh, you know, we're actually planning our next episode still. You know, everything after Halloween because they just did like as me and Duncan know because we were part of it, that giant <laughs> cut to the chase Halloween retrospective that all released the same day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, so they're just taking a little break, which I understand. You know, but. You know, we should be back soon. We'll plan that sometime in November. And uh, Underwater Kaiju still on hiatus. Of course, uh, Jerry's still going through some things. We're moving and stuff. He just moved. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we'll set a date for that finally soon. But that's about it for me, Duncan. 
Nice. It's nice to see that you're slacking on things. <laughs> it's such a rich project, like uh, like a, a project thing that you've got going with all those shows. It's covering all the bases and I love it. Um, and of course you'll be back here in two weeks' time to uh, break open box set number two with me uh, as we start working our way through. The first movie we will be covering, of course, is Dream No Evil. And we'll see how that lands. Is that the one you've not seen? It's the one I have not seen. Awesome. We'll be in the same boat, my friend. We'll be in the same boat. Right. Uh, I'm going to take my final break. When I come back, I'm closing out the show and I'm doing it right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. listening to the podcast under the stairs this has been ladies and gents a little bit of episode 256 this was the last movie in box set number one of arrow videos american horror project the witch who came from the sea we'll be continuing our look into the final three movies uh, which are all collected under box set number two over the coming weeks myself and derek doing the lord's work reviewing these movies for you. What the big shot for me has been thus far is there ain't a bad movie in box set one at all. In fact, all three of these movies are movies that I would readily sit down and watch again, which is a great testament to Stephen Thrower as a curator of bizarre Americana cinema. So yeah, really enjoyed it, really dug it, great conversations. There's a multitude of places that you can check out podcasts under the stairs. Wherever you're listening to this right now, hit subscribe though. If you hit subscribe on that feed, on that app, you will get access to all the new shows as and when they drop. You get access to the 800 plus shows in the archive. And if you also are in a subscriber mood, subscribe to that Teapots Collective for where to begin with Jallo, Opera Omnia, Chronicle, and of course, Doing the Nasty. A whole catalogue of additional shows in the second feed available there. Just hit subscribe. It's the best way to support what I do. You can check out our website. It's teapotscast.com. Our merch page is teapotscast.bigcartel.com. On Facebook, we can be found facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash teapotscast. You can also check us out on facebook.com forward slash teapotscast for the Teapots Collective Facebook page. You can reach out and touch myself and the Baz on the twin prongs of social media sexiness, Instagram and Twitter. Both can be followed at teapotscast. The podcast under the stairs will return for you tomorrow, dear listeners, with something a little bit quirky and something a little bit special as we celebrate our 300th bonus episode coming from under the stairs. Until then, wherever you are, whatever the time zone is and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs and I am signing off. <laughs>